Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's What's your weird story? story? Hello, Weirdville! It's time once again for the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Your weekly podcast of weird, amazing, interesting, spectacular, uncanny, hard to explain, or oftentimes easy to explain, uh, stories of the unusual weird kind. I am one of your hosts, Adam Beebe, and uh, uh, with me, as always, is your other host, who's always with me, as I just said. Uh, <laughs> it is the, I almost called you Professor, but you're the smiling sensei, Mr. That's right. Mary Johnston. That's right, that's right. How are you, man? <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm doing all right, man. I'm a little bit. Uh, obviously, I almost introduced you as me, uh, so I'm a little <laughs> bit off today. I don't, I don't know why, but uh, you know, hey, we do these on Mondays. We do these introductions and everything on Mondays. So you know, uh, sometimes it's just a Monday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You win some, you lose some. You know. Uh, yeah. I can't believe we're already almost through October. Good lord. Dude. Yeah, it is flying by. Yeah, dude, it is. It, it really is. The end of the this this fall has just gone by. Summer was dragged and dragged and dragged, but fall's just like oh, I'll make up for that time. Yeah, you know, fall's like one of those the uh, those pilots that's like oh we got a late start, but uh, we got a good tailwind uh, at our aft, so uh, we, should, we should be able to make up for the rest of the year. You know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it really it's been amazing. It's been incredible and we've had um I mean, all the all year we've had amazing guests, but mm-hmm. uh you know, it seems like October we've really been delivering mm-hmm. uh on some great stories and we have with us another uh person that has, you know, the gifted abilities. Uh she's a psychic. She's got really interesting stories. We have Jill today. Yes. Yeah, as you said, we've been very fortunate with, uh, we just had a lot of amazing uh, gifted psychic people, um, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, this month, and uh, which, you know, it's kind of kind of fitting with it being a spooky month, but uh, uh, today's guest, Jill, is uh, just another spectacular guest. Man, we had a long, lengthy, great conversation uh, over all sorts of things and all over the place, uh, uh, you know, just geographically even. Um, but uh, we really enjoyed Jill as a guest, and we hope you will too. So let's get right to it. Joining us from North Carolina, one of my f- former homelands, <laughs> is Jill. Jill, thank you so much for joining us. What's your weird story? Thank you for having me. So, my goodness, I which which weird story do you want? Um, so we I discovered. <laughs> <laughs> we want them all. <laughs> cool. 
Um, I think, you know, the most fun thing to share is about my growth into mediumship and kind of the forward versus forward and backward of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of, we all have our own way of coming into our spirituality and I think into our intuitive gifts. And I like to talk about it because I feel like there's so many people in the world that are scared of it. Um, they're scared of their gifts and scared of like things they might see or experience or whatever. And when someone talks about it without shame and without like the woo aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, people tend to feel more free to say, oh yeah, I'm, you know, me too. Right, and so right. I feel like, you know, I, I was raised very Catholic mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where you didn't talk about all the things that I talk about now. Right. And um, my early, when I, you know, think about coming into mediumship and my earliest experience, I was a kid. My earliest experience with mediumship was when I was a child. And, um, you know, and it's funny because I have, you know, done a couple of podcasts talking about seeing the apparition at my grandma's house. She mm. lived in a house in a really tiny town, Wisconsin. And, it was an old doctor's house and it was when she lived in, it was like 150 years old. And that's probably going back now. We're probably talking, we're probably close to 200 years old with that house. Right. Wow. And, you know, so I, I understood the notion that it had history to it. I mm-hmm. just didn't really understand as a child what that meant. Hmm. But I remember distinctly, I was, she had this set of stairs in her house and it was very dark wood and it was very, very dark in the front of her house. And, um, basically we only went upstairs to sleep or change clothes, generally speaking. And so I remember coming down the stairs one night, my, my mom calling me and I was staying at the, the t- landing cause it was like four steps to the top of the steps to the second floor. Uh-huh. And I was standing on the landing to try to come downstairs and there was a gentleman had to be like six foot in a three-piece suit and a top hat and very old-fashioned clothing mm. and i knew he was indeed not my grandpa um one because my grandpa at that time was still alive <laughs> um <laughs> and two because he wasn't right re- i didn't recognize him as anybody that i knew but it was like how am i supposed like I'm like, they're not, this person's not speaking to me, but I can see them clear as day. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like where, you know, and I can hear, you know, my grandma and my mom. And then my mom came in the hallway and was like, you know, what are you doing up there? And I didn't say anything because I was, I'm coming. And then he disappeared. Wow. And I was like, okay. So years later, I would say something. And, um, I didn't say, you know, I saw me at the top of the stairs to my grandma when she was alive, but I would, you know, I said, who lived in this house before I knew a doctor, but I didn't really know much more about that because I knew mm-hmm. when she, when we would go outside, she'd always say she had a really lush green lawn. Um, but she would always say, you can't walk around barefoot in this on the side of the house, which if you were orientating it from the front of the street was the back of the house. But point of fact was back then they would crush glass bottles as a way of recycling them. Oh, right. Okay. So those pieces of glass would come up and your little bare feet would find them. Mm. Oh, man, like magnets. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think after the first or second time that somebody cut their feet, it was like, you got to wear shoes if you're going to be in, you're going to be in the backyard because that's where Doc Stucer would have buried all the shattered, you know, the glass that they crushed from all the prescription bottles. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Yeah. Right. Like crazy stuff you learn and you hear, like, you know, it's, it's part of why I'm, I'm fat, completely fascinated by preservation and historic houses now. Can, but that's a different, probably, conversation entirely. Can I um, ask what? <laughs> can I ask what part of Wisconsin, by chance? Northwestern. Okay, my my wife lived in, in Milwaukee, so I'm just curious. Okay, yeah, yep. so yeah, so that's southeastern. Yeah, no, this was uh, this was about if you know where Eau Claire is. Yeah. About um, sixty-five, seventy minutes northeast of Eau Claire. Okay. Wow. So. Nice. Yeah, I had a really crazy, like, everywhere childhood. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, because you, you don't have the typical uh, North Carolina accent, either east or west side of the state. <laughs> no, no. And I'm actually from, I consider myself from Boston, so that's a whole other conversation. Oh, I mean, wow. I grew up in Boston, so it's oh. one of those things where... I, I had. You know, <laughs> I was going to ask that because of the way you said uh, forward is, uh, is yeah forward. But if you people around Boston say uh, forward, it's a, it's a, just one of those things that you know you pick up. <laughs> yeah, my my. So the next the next weird story. What it goes? My dad and my mom split up when I was very young, and so my dad lived between. He would summer in New Hampshire. Oh, and um, had a house in Maine, and we were renting this house, and it's um, in the middle of Maine, and um, it was a probably two hundred year old farmhouse, easily. I mean, mm-hmm. very, very like yeah. like to the point where my dad would say, um, "You can't go." Like there's a there was a door that he was like, "You cannot go." in that room because it's over the garage and it's not stable. Right. Okay. And my little kid brain. And when I look back on it also, I was incredibly <laughs> intuitive. I was very intuitive. And I know I, when I look back on my life, I've been a medium my whole life. I've been intuitive and empath. Those things. Um, I didn't even know that it wasn't like it was forbidden necessarily. It's just that I grew up in a space where it'd be like, oh, she has a, she's so cute with her little stories. That's so cute. And so I was looking out my, our bedrooms faced this field. It was a hay field and it had been, they had hayed, harvested the hay. And I was looking out the window one night and there was a little girl in a white dress glowing in the field. Oh, wow. And my brain was like, Oh my God, I want to go meet her because we were in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Like my brother and I, my brother's two years younger than me and we were in the middle of nowhere, Bill. Yeah. So I desperately wanted like friends. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) And it was one of those things where I remember saying something like, Hey, who's the clear closest house to them? And my dad was like, well, you know, Polly's to the right, like a mile and a half down the road to the right, mm-hmm. but she didn't have any kids. And I was like, okay, does anybody have in the, and we would, they would throw us in summer camp, which is a, again, a whole nother thing, but which has nothing to do with this. But I remember seeing this little girl. And so we would walk the German shepherd, um, my parent, my, my dad's dog, um, to 
the lake that the house was on and, you know, basically every night we would walk down and back and we were, you know, walking down one night and I said, where does the little girl live? And I remember asking Mm -hmm. and it was like, what the what? And I'm like, there's a little girl. Like I want to meet the little girl. And it was like, I don't think there's any little girls that live around here, sweetheart. Hi, kitty, kitty. <laughs> One of my girls wanted to uh, come and say hi. I hear you. I hear you. Mine are all playing. Mine are all, all cra- being crazy playing. But, you know, yeah. So it was like we uh, – and they, everyone was looking at me like, oh, honey, I think that's just your imagination. And so it was like no, I didn't really think more about it yeah. um, until like probably – 2019, 2018, wow. 2019. And I remember saying to my dad, like asking him, like, hey, what is the road that Polly's house, the house that we stayed in years and years ago, where was the road? And he, so he gave me the name of the road and I went and Google mapped it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. of course. As we do now. Yeah. yeah As we yeah. do now. And got an address. And with one of my best friends, we um, drove. We drove over to it. And I oh, just wow. drive. Like completely different. Now I, I wanted to part of it, and it was it's one of those areas where there's no place to pull over, okay. and I didn't want to like be weird and be like, "Hey, I used to live here twenty some odd years ago." Blah, blah. Right. right. <laughs> so I was like, so we drove past, and but it was one of those things where I went and did some more research. Like I, I like I looked up the house and the tax records. I wasn't trying to creep them or anything. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh my God, no, I was just trying to see what year the house was built. Sure. And if there was like how far the deeds went back so I right. could like have some sort of history to maybe see like, this is the John Henry house or this is the yeah. whoever house. Yep. Um, and I couldn't really find any history on it, but then I found it was, there was something else that I was, found a rabbit hole one night with Maine Pres- state of Maine preservation and happened to just like connecting dots when I till like three o'clock in the morning, which every once in a while I do something's really cool. <laughs> I do that too, man. Yep, yep. <laughs> like when I really need to know, and I'm like, Oh, 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 Oh. And discovered that the little girl had died in a fire. Oh, wow. Wow. Like she had been trying to run and escape the house. No flipping. She was the only one that survived the fire. Okay. Oh, there was a there was a fire in her family, and she ran out of the house and into the field. The house burned, and she was the only person that survived out of like the whole family. Wow! And it was one of those crazy, weird things that it was like, you know, where in Maine was that? Where in Maine was that? Hmm. hmm. Now I need to know like where that was and where that was. And you find these weird little stories as you're pairing part mm-hmm. of why I like, like preservation and history and the story of houses and being a medium now is because I can say, okay, tell me more about that. I don't need anybody's permission because the person, the people are dead. Everybody's right, dead. Right. Yes. So I don't have to say, Hey, can I have permission to chat with your whoever? Um, and so I was like, wow. Okay. And it wasn't that I was necessarily looking for validation or anything. I just was, I just have this very curious mind. Yeah. And I'm also inclined to, now that I understand my mediumship gift better, I'm inclined to honor the people that have passed away and the stories we don't tell. And sure. so when I'm, 
which leads me to another story. Um, real, I was real quick, on, I got a question about the girl, the little girl. Yes, so was yeah. the so the little girl that you're seeing was this a premonition of her at the time of the fire? You think, or was this, or how is? How is that connected? Do you think like like was was there an imprint of her taken at that time, like of the fire where it's like imprinted into that area? You think, or is it like is that her soul that it's that is communicating, you know, as a child or something? I don't know. I'm trying to. I feel like, in the t- at the time, I the the energy that was already there because. Obviously, no one's gonna go. Cl- no one's gonna go clear a hayfield because they don't know to do that. Right. Right. Um, I feel like we were having a soul connecting at that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that as a child. I just thought it was really cool that I was seeing this little kid, and I desperately wanted to connect with her. I see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe she's presenting herself that way to 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 show herself in that way. That's interesting. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. And I think too, you know, the thing that's interesting too is. What I understand about my mediumship give my mediumship gift now is is that people show up in their I want to say almost their purest form. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is we've heard this before, so go yeah, on. Yeah, we've heard. Yeah. yeah, some when they're in there because the thing is is like when and because a lot of times people will approach me and they'll say, you know, my so and so passed away. Do you have any messages? And I oftentimes will say, when did they pass away? Because unless it was a nefarious thing, in my experience of reading a couple hundred people at this point, as far as direct intentional mediumship, Uh Mm -hmm. if someone has passed away of natural causes, no, they don't need anything to be cleared. Right. Gotcha. Like if you so like my like my grandma died when she was ninety two. Did it was it devastating? Yes, for us as a family, yes, it was devastating. Um, but was it tragic? Was there anything nefarious involved? No. Right. Her right. time clock on this planet was just done. Yeah, she did yeah. everything she was supposed to do and then some in yeah. her ninety two years of life and you know whatever. But when someone comes to me and they say there was a tragedy. Or that we think there was, we suspect, like someone will come to me and say, I suspect there was foul play. Mm -hmm. Can we get in touch with so-and-so? And And almost immediately, that person will be like, boom, and come forward. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, And it's funny, and I've realized the pattern of that happens every single time something is out of sync, out of whack, tragic etc or there's justice that the person thinks is not going to be served or serve a bowl mm-hmm. the person who's deceased and had their life taken will immediately come across oh wow, wow. interesting to ver to verify and say hey yes this happened you don't like you can be at peace knowing that like one person came through and it was, and again, mediumship is not a function of memory, but it affected me deeply. Um, so I remember some of the details saying that they had, they were like, it wasn't murder per se, because murder is, and a lot of people, I feel like I need to explain this. A lot of people, when someone is killed, immediately press the murder button. Mm-hmm. But the reality is when I'm talking to someone and they're like, you know, 
Was it nefarious? Da da da. People need to understand that from a legalistic perspective, murder one, homicide is a very high legalistic bar. In other words, the person that did the killing had to be intentional and planning it. Right. It doesn't matter how much it sucks because it sucks every time. Right. Right. It doesn't matter how you your emotional wounding around it. It doesn't matter what the person was related to you. Nobody cares. It's whether or not it was intentional and planned. That mm-hmm. is like murder one homicide. Yeah. Right. And then you have like murder two and murder three. And again, I'm talking about this from a United States and specifically North Carolina and Florida, which are the two that I know well because I've just studied them. Uh-huh. Um because as part of mediumship, like I have had to kind of walk through some things with people and say, you can ask for murder one from a DA, but the reality is, is the person didn't plan it maliciously. Yes, it sucks that your loved one is dead, but a fentanyl overdose or a cocaine overdose or an at car accident yeah. isn't g- going to get you a homicide conviction. Yeah. A DA does not have a 51 or better percent chance of prosecuting that, so they're not going to do it. They may do manslaughter, mm-hmm. but that's a, you know, it was like, okay. And the reason I bring that up is because there was someone that had a motorcycle accident in a foreign country and their person was killed. Mm. And it was all kinds of red tape to, like, one, get the body back to the U.S., which is an unbelievable, like, I never knew like how crazy that yeah, could get. I've heard yeah. I've heard horror stories about that. And so the person reached out to me and said, I know you and I trust you and this happened and because I had seen their posts on social media saying there was an unbelievable tragedy. We can't talk about it, we can't share details if you just pray for our family. And then they almost immediately reached out to me and said, Hey, and as soon as I like they said hi to me, it was like this person came through immediately. And it was mm. like and they said, yes, I was killed. Yes, this is what happened. But you're not going to get justice because of the way the justice system works in the specific place. Yeah. Outside the U.S. And the people that you want to reach are going to be angry for as long as they're going to be angry. Yeah. And and the person was like, okay. And I said, what can I do? I said, nothing. You got to do what you got to do to get you clear Mm -hmm. and let everybody else be where they are. And that's a really hard thing with mediumship sometimes is that when people cross over, unless they got crap to deal with, like if they got regrets, they, you know, they did, they were just like, if someone was a bound up narcissist their whole life, if they were like an Adolf Hitler, which is a really high or low bar, depending upon which way you're looking at it. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> yeah. But it's like those are the people that they don't come. They they come through like with still with their personality. Yeah. With that, like, dukes up, pissed off. Mm. Like, I'm never wrong. And usually there's when you're not reacting to them, they usually will soften in my experience and be like, yeah, I realize I screwed up and I apologize. And, you know, 
I had a lot going on and I had no idea how to deal with it because we have a different viewpoint as a spirit, as a soul than we do as a human being. Right. Yeah. So when you're dead and out of ego, you no longer have to like put on appearances and whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're just showing up as air basically. Right. It's a different whole thing because the dichotomy is not like you're on the front cover of the New York times. No, it's like between very much more intimate and being like, yeah, I totally screwed the pooch on that. And I completely apologize to you and whatever. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times one of my favorite things about, and I take, we, you know, mediumship is fun. On the one hand, it can be really tragic because if someone's lost somebody and they're like, you know, I've, I've had people reach out and say, Hey, I had to make this really horrible decision um, there was someone that reached out to me like two years ago and she had to make a decision and she had been asking me, she had been asking me in the Akashic records, like I, and I had already known, like it wasn't mine to tell her that, but it was coming through strong enough that the person was like, I said, if I didn't have quality of life, pull the plug. Right. And so she did. And she made that decision. And she was the she was the executor. She was the person charged that the person had put in charge to make that those decisions. Mm. And you know, she said, "I my whole family hates me." Yeah. And I said, "They don't hate you, sweetheart. You just broke open. They hate that this person is along here. They hate what happened that put them in that state. Yeah. And they hate that somebody had to have the courage to make the decision." That dead person would have wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And we all hope we never have to make that decision. Oh, my God, mm. man. Right. I mean, we all hope we all hope that we I mean, I'm one of those people that with, with my with having lost two of my two of my closest people to me um, that were under the age of 50 and like asking like and I, and I knew that their families were going to honor them. That wasn't the question at all. But I'm the person now that's like if something tragic happens to you. What do you want? Right. Because I want to, because I feel like when we know, and there's, and the thing is, is even if you know, like, you know, like in this case, when she had to pull the plug, they had done when everybody was like in their seventies, you know, when everybody was yeah. young and spry and blah, 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 they had put all this in writing and done all the things like all the shit conversations you never want to have. Right. Yeah. And it's and I said, and it still sucks immensely. No one wants that duty. Nobody wants that decision. No one wants to have to do that. Yeah. The reality is, is that I think most of it, and I, you know, I, I'm not, I just want to say, I think that most people, I'm the person that I, I run every day. I work out. I have a really active life and I, you know, whatever. And I feel like most of us, if it came down to brass tacks and we are not like, there's no hope of quality of life. Mm -hmm. Peace out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you should be able to make that decision. You should be able to, or at least entrust someone with making that decision for you when you get to that. That that should be a human right that we all hopefully can get behind. I mean, yeah, uh, dying yes. dying with dignity is like mm-hmm. a big, big, big thing that um, that I think all of us achieve. We want to achieve. You know. Well, yeah, yes, a hundred percent. And I think that you know the heart and and this person said to me. 
he chose me and he had said to this to, to people, I made this decision because I knew that this person would be the least emotionally attached to things of everybody that I knew. Right. And so the wife was taken out of it. Children were taken out of it. The in-laws were taken out of it. And it was like, you're going to be the person who, if all fails, makes this decision. And it was like this whole thing. And I, you know, that's one of the things about mediumship that I really love is immediate confirmation that you did the right thing. Right. Even though you're like, oh, you, you know, but one of the things that I love about being a medium is I get to give people peace. Right. And, you know, because we, you know, the biggest question I get the most often from people is, are they okay? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, they're dead. (laughs) And that's not to be rude. So our listen to this, it's like, (gasps) no, it's to say their soul is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like we cannot damage our soul. No matter what happens to you physically in your life. Even when you're having a dark night of the soul, if you will, or if you're like feeling like your whole life, like, like I've had, we're in September, October time, which is like death month for me. Mm. Um, and you know, back, like back to back months of people passing away and whatnot. And, you know, I have a unique, I, you know, maybe it's not super, super unique, but understanding that even when my, everything was shattered, like when I lost my grand, my grandparents and my grandma and, um, you know, when I lost my best friend, Kim, my whole world, just like billion little pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you got to sweep it up and like, you can put some super glue on it, but it is never going to be. <laughs> yeah. You have yeah, pre yeah. and post. Right. And you know, it's like nine 11 was pre and post. There is mm-hmm. like this. There is no, like, you can't go back to before that because now you're done. You're a whole different person now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the soul gets to a space where, yes, there's a lot of times when people come into the clarity of their egos out of the picture. So now they're having a whole different discussion, right? They're seeing where they screwed up. They're seeing how they affected people. So they're able to apologize and do all the things and have the, and give people the clarity and give people the, you know, yeah, you were totally right. And now that I'm out of my ego, and I'm out of the emotion of it and the trying to be the self-righteous high horse, mm-hmm. I can be in the space of, yeah, I totally screwed the pooch with you and I apologize. That is really interesting, that idea, because I feel like people, I feel like people that are close to death, a lot of those folks are tying up loose ends. I And I mm-hmm. always felt like, there must be a reason for that. And what's interesting about what you're saying is the people that don't do that can often get caught in this situation where it's like, it's almost like you have to allow yourself to get real about your mistakes in life and who you owe apologies to and, and, Make sure that those relationships are taken care of, because if you don't, it will hold you here in a way. And that that really speaks to me. It makes a lot of sense because across the board, no matter what religious, you know, um, whatever ideas that you hold dear to you when it comes to those types of views, I think most people view that uh, as a, a rite of passage onto the next life. And 
holding on to these things because of ego or stubbornness or whatever it is, is, is only hindering your progression. Yep. And I will tell you that, um, because I feel like it is mine to share. Um, when my best friend Kim was sick and she knew she'd had two triple bypasses and the second one had failed Mm. and she was in her thirties. Wow. Mm. And her doctor was like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, normally I do one on people twice your age. I never see them again. Right. And so I like basically, and I remember her telling me, you know, this, my second triple bypass failed. And I said, uh, okay, so what do we do? Like I was going to affect it. <laughs> I said, what, what do we do? What do, what do we, what do you do now? Like, what's the yeah. next step? And right. she said, well, I have to do all this testing and blah, blah, blah. And then they put me on the UNOS list. And I said, and we kind of said at the same time, so someone has to die so you can live literally. Yeah. Um, Cause we can't function without a heart and it has to be a perfect match. And, you know, my brain going, oh, and that was July of 2016. And it was like, and realizing, and she had said to me on more than one occasion, you know, I'm doing these things and I'm doing that thing. She had young girls at the time and she said, I want to. There's things I need to say. There's things I need to, you know, deal with. And but mm-hmm. when people know that they are not long for this world, they live differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a lot of effort. Right. There's a whole, and I mean, and it's. I remember Kim saying something to me one night. She was texting me, and she said, um, "You know." She was telling me about, she said, I have one, and I'm, and I'm probably messing this up. So if her, when her parents hear this, if they hear, um, you know, I'm probably messing this up, but she basically had one ventricle working at like 10%. Oh my gosh. Wow. Like it's wild how, when you start to realize how the human body works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, she passed away in her sleep, and um, we are approaching the. Se- well, speaking of wild, we're approaching the seven year mark. Okay. Um, of her passing, but it's you know it's you know it's, I hear you know that song by Tim McGraw, "Live Like You're Dying," and I think that so many of us, and I just listened to a motivational speaker today talking about how, you know, we all think we procrastinate because we think we have tomorrow. We think we have all the time in the world. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing to me when someone realizes they don't. When my friend Sean was, my friend Sean was diagnosed with, um, he had a brain tumor and I will mess up the name of it trying to say it, so I won't try and say it. I'll just say he had a brain tumor. And he had it taken out, and it essentially came back. And I remember, you know, my mom is the science in my family, and I remember sending the email to her and saying, tell me about this. And she was like, oh, honey, 
And my mom almost never says a word. Right. Yeah. And I, she was like, and I had already looked it up anyway. And like, you know, again, my little curiosity brain needed to have some assurance that my friend Sean was still going to be with us. Yeah. Right. Um, and the five year survival was something like 5%. Right. That's and I was like, shit. Okay. And my, and again, we don't register it. Yep. The human brain starts to go into like, okay. So it was funny because I remember Kim saying to me, Sean has brain cancer. So two of my best friends have cancer at the same, or I have thing, health, health things going on that are going to be fatal Yeah. at the same time. Damn. And yeah. she says to me, Sean has brain cancer and I'm going to die first. And I was like, Ooh. and again, we can say all day long, like, yeah, live like you don't have tomorrow. But the reality is, is we don't. Yeah. Yeah. We sure. just simply, we don't, when I watch two people live, like they know they're on a ticking time bomb. Except it's not going to explode. It's just going to stop. Right. Yeah. And I remember vividly, like Kim telling me different things, which I won't share, but different things she was doing as her wrapping up loose ends. Mm -hmm. And also telling me things that she was trying to do with certain people, but was not accomplishing. Because again, if, again, when people know that they are not long for this world, they live in a very different world than the people closest to them. Sure. And some people are going to be like, okay, you're going to pass away and this is going to suck isn't even close to the right word. Yeah. Um, but there isn't a word in the English language because it's even beyond devastating. Right. It's beyond earth shattering, mind shattering. It's like, it's like 15 exits past all that. Right. And yet, numbness, denial, the whole nine yards, people that cannot will go there and do some crazy shit to avoid dealing. And I don't mean crazy shit like driving to Mexico and, you know, yeah. whatever. But not that that doesn't happen. But, you right. know, it's one of those things where it's like, we will do some crazy things to numb. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so I remember vividly, you know, my last conversation with Kim before she passed away. And I remember Sean and I remember him, like they were doing all, they were doing all these experimental things. Like he was willing to do anything. And again, when you know that your chances of survival for over five years are like between five and 15%. You are living an entirely different life. Sure. Mm -hmm. You just are. Yeah. And I remember being one of like five people. And again, he's been deceased since 2018. So it's not like probably more than a few people know at this point, but I was one of five people and he knew a lot of people. Um, he was one of like five people who I was one of like five people who he said, I have made the decision to stop all treatment. Mm. That's tough. Yeah. And I said, okay. And he said, 
there is nothing more that they can do for me medically. And like he would, he would finish sentences and, you know, he would like half finish sentences. And when I first met him in 2006, like he was this gregarious guy, we were, we were, what connected all of us was baseball okay. and, um, a massive love of the Boston Red Sox. Nice, and, um, nice. that's great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it was, he was like a statistician. He knew all the things he knew every little, he knew a little minutia things that you'd be like. But he, you're like, who cares? But he yeah. just was so like, dialed again, in. Yeah. Yes. He was very dialed in the way I am with historic houses and little right. tiny little details and like corbels and, you know, sure. All this little thing. Yeah. Anyway, digressing. I remember him saying to me, you know, there is no hope left. Mm. And saying like, okay and in my brain like i knew that yeah yeah and because i could see him the way he knowing him the way he was when i first met him to where he was where it was like he would be trying to grasp words and the parts of his brain that to do the different normal things like knowing how to tie your shoes and knowing how to all these things that he used to do that he just no longer was capable of doing. Yeah. 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 And that's heartbreaking and mind rendering and like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, and I remember I didn't know the person, one of my friends that I like, have never talked to on the phone. Like we've messaged, you know, messaged back and forth or whatever. And, you know, on Facebook or whatever, called me at five after midnight, one night in May. And nobody calls me at that hour. And so she messaged me. She called me and she said, um, did I wake you up? And I'm like, no, what's going on? And, uh, and I knew, like I, I knew instinctively. And she said, I, do you, are you friends with so-and-so on Facebook? And I said, I am not. But I knew it was Sean. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, yeah, they just announced that Sean passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, and I also knew, like, he didn't really visit me immediately, but um, when they were planning the celebration of life and doing all the things and whatever, I distinctly felt him and I felt his presence. Um, and then I was driving, it was pouring rain the day of his celebration of life. And so I was driving from Duke University to a restaurant that we all congregate up for world series parties and, you know, playoff parties and whatnot and meetups and so on. And I'm driving and it's like, I can't see worth a crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's this, and he was very much a chatterbug at when he was not sick. He was very much a, if you, if we weren't watching baseball, we, and I, to be fair, yes, to be fair, I was also a chatterbug. I'm, I'm very <laughs> much a talkative person. And so he's like, oh, my God, it was so nice. And it was so beautiful. And please tell my parents it was really beautiful. And they did, a, you know, and I'm like, Sean, I love you. But, honey, I got to concentrate on driving because, as you probably can tell, it's pouring freaking rain. I'm trying to drive down 40 without crashing and I can barely freaking see. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's like, OK. And it's like, OK, tell my parents this and tell my parents that. And blah, 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 blah. So 
I was able to share, have been since been able to share messages with his family. And nice. they've to also shared things with me that they're like, people are going to think we're crazy. And I'm like, you're not crazy. People, if we're open to hearing it, we will hear it. Yeah. yeah. If we're open to knowing it, we will know it. And I tell people like, you know, I used to, you know, like people get chills and I tell people, I'm like, those are your clairs. That just means clear. It's just a word. It's just a French word that means clear. Okay. So clear knowing, clear smelling, clear tasting, clear sensing, clearly and clear empath is taking on somebody else's emotions as your own. Um, the most common one is clairvoyant, like having third eye, having, you know, vision, yeah. forward vision, right. which everybody, I know like I'm clairaudient, which means I have clear hearing, which means I a lot of times hear things like some people will say like it's akin to a dog whistle. It is. OK. Um, and I laugh because a lot of times it's like I'm like, sometimes it's really frustrating because I'm like, you know, did you hear that? And, you know, it's like I know things. I hear things sometimes. And I'm like, oh, my God. And. You know, like having like thinking that there's a party, wild party going on and opening your door because you're about to be like the night nice person who's like, it's 1130 at night. <laughs> Get off my lawn. And you open the door. And there's <laughs> nobody there. Right. And it's like and someone's telling me, like, oh, that's clear audience. And I'm like, oh, good. Cool. Get this. We call it what's your weird story, right? But we don't limit it to weird stories. It's true. Sometimes we have crazy travel and epic adventure stories. Sometimes we do book reports and other special episodes. Sometimes we'll cover some weird news. Sometimes I'll see one of my oldest, dearest friends just dancing around and punching the air for five minutes before we sit down and record an episode. But hey, it's all good because it's fun to talk to people, to make new friends, to get in touch and reacquainted with old friends and hear amazing stories. The other one that is fun to share that I think, you know, the other part of weird that's super fun to share is um, was on St. John prior to the twin Maria and Irma hurricanes. Okay, wow. That destroyed the island. And there is hundreds of years of history on St. John. Um, controlled before it was a U.S. protectorate. And um, they at one point was very, it was sugarcane was the mm -hmm. commodity. Okay. And so... They would have sugarcane filled sugarcane plantations, and they had enslaved persons mm -hmm. that would work the sugarcane from being in the fields, harvesting the sugarcane, cutting it down, bringing it over, cr crushing it to get the liquid sugar out of it, and then the very hot, very arduous task of taking liquid sugar. And making it into mash or crystallized, what we know today as granulated sugar, or molasses, or whatever you were going to use it for. Okay. And so, we went, my stepdad and I went for the for a hike, and he's like, do you want to go, you know, we can go down to see the ruins. And I'm like, sure. And so, it's off season and whatever, so we go. And I'm standing, he's, I'm just walking around, I'm just like, I just like, um, and I know at this point that I'm a medium that I, but I'm not like, I haven't done a ton of work with it at that mm -hmm. point. 
and I'm standing on the steps of this wooden steps of this former, the ruins of a sugarcane plantation. And I feel somebody grab my hand mm-hmm. and say, come with me. Damn. And I have my, I have my eyes open and I, there's nobody around. Like, I don't even know where my stepdad is at that point. I have no idea. And, but I, I also, I know I'm safe. Okay. I do not do that. If I feel physically unsafe, I'm stepping back. Okay. Sure. Because one of the things I think people need to understand about any of this work is, and I don't necessarily like, I think the phraseology of love and light is overused at this point, but mm-hmm. I think it's also important to understand that there are definitely dark forces in the world. Sure. Yeah. There is some dark shit out there that I don't think anybody, I don't personally think anybody should be touching it, but yeah. I'm also not in control of anybody else's crap. So you do you, you do you, yeah. um, just don't come to me when you've got, you know, all the crap attached to you and you're like, I don't know how to do this. And then when I clear it all off you and get it off you, which I can do and have done, um, you know, you go do it again. And it's like, oh right. my God. It's like oh, overdosing, getting a Narcan, you know, getting Narcan shoved up your nose, and then going and doing it again. It's like, yeah. holy, stop! Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you know, I mean, it's broad daylight. I feel completely safe. I'm good. And this person's like, come with me. So at the, and I, looking back on it now, I was straddling two different worlds. So I was straddling like the current time and space, and I was also 200 years prior. Wow. And so, and at the time I didn't know what year it was. I didn't ask. I just knew that I was suddenly in this place where there was very high, um, their, their version of mortar, like seashells and, um, rocks put together with this seashell mortar. Yeah. 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 And there was fire and there was all these, there was all these, these, copper kettles there's like four of them and they just basically it's wherever you want it to go you get whatever product you want to get as you're taking these like six foot long wooden spoons that are very heavy yep. and you are doing whatever you're doing to tend so you're not burning anything basically is it's a 24-hour job and everybody works in shifts and then you're you know pouring it out and putting in these big barrels and taking it wherever it needs to go And it's all hand done at that point, 200, 150, 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, we're at the point now, so it's 2023. So we're way past it by by 1923. But um, 150, 200 years, 300 years prior, you're getting. And the thing is, is that all of those plantations that were high on St. John, the sugar mills themselves, the sugar mills, the enslaved people that worked them mm-hmm. and the overseers managers lived on St. John. Right. Right. The owners of the plantations lived either on St. Thomas or St. Croix. So, and one of the things that would happen is, is they would plant bayonet plants. So if people would try to bayonet plants, if you've ever been around one are very sharp, they're okay. called okay. that for a reason. Okay. Okay. So the notion was that if you were going to try to escape, if you could get past getting cut up by bayonet plants, and you could swim to the British protectorate, that was like, and I don't, I don't even want to 
gas mileage anymore, but you can see it. Right. Yeah. You can okay. swim through shark infested waters. Right. You're free. So, but again, that's a big old if because it is not like it's not shark infested. And at this point, you're bleeding because right. you, no matter what, you're bleeding. Yeah. So, coming back, I'm standing in these runes and I hear, can feel this, can at this point see this woman and. She is taking me around to these people and saying, like, this is who she is. She's come to help us. And I don't have any idea because I didn't bother to look down or look at my hands or look at anything to see what I was presenting as in their world. Okay. Right. Because a lot of us, if we, when we, if you believe in past lives, you weren't necessarily like you guys are like white men. You weren't necessarily white men right. in your past lives. Uh-huh. You can be whatever your soul was incarnating that time around. Sure. Mm-hmm. So she's walking me from person to person to person to person and telling them I can free them. And so I'm saying, do you want me to clear you? Do you want me to take you out of this? And the understanding, just that you understand is again, they're dead. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a space where, why there's a lot of times when, houses are occupied that are historic is because the people stay where they knew. Yeah. Right. Like there are no souls. And most of the time people do not hang in graveyards. Right. Right. Like people are creeped, especially this time of year. We're like going into spooky season. And oh my God. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, they're where they knew. Right. So like, there's why there's a lot of times when people will haunt. I don't like that word, but anyway, uh, um, they will occupy energetically the last place they loved or knew. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So even if an energy, a spirit, a person was enslaved, as an example, mm-hmm. that's all they knew. Right. We're not going to judge them by 2023 standards and say, well, they should have blah, blah. Yeah. They knew that place as home. Right. Yeah. Period. Yep. So that's where they are hanging out until, unless and until someone clears them. And sometimes if they were well-treated, and yes, I realize this is going to be a controversial thing for some people, not related to what I was clearing, but there were slaves. They were enslaved people, mm-hmm. which, by the way, came in more than just black, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um. But there were, and I'm not going to say they enjoyed, because life was arduous for everybody 150 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A different day. We didn't have air conditioning. We didn't have indoor plumbing. We didn't have, you know, you couldn't just go to Walmart and grab whatever. You couldn't just go to your urgent care or your your PCP or the ED and get whatever you needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but to saying that. Yes, enslaved people had harder lives mm-hmm. than the people that were enslaving them. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, there were definitely people, enslaved people, who were by that standard of the 150 years ago, whatever the day was back then, they were well treated. Well, yeah. I mean, not every single slave owner is going to be. You know the sadistic and cruel. Uh, right. You know the sons. Some are. You know, were probably just. I mean, 
they were still slave owners, but they could have been kinder people, you know. I and yeah, was it still wrong to own people and own slaves? Absolutely, hundred percent. You know, it's just like, you know, you can have a boss who's a who's a sadist, who's a real dick, and you know, treats people with terror to get them to perform their work, or you can have a boss who is, you know, treats you better, but still, you know is you know could be just strong-handed or whatever you know you're to get you to do work and then i of course obviously that's not a completely uh, 100% analogous uh for slavery but no just saying that it yes, it's complicated it sense yeah that yes. there would be people who were uh you know who were slave owners who were um not as terrible um, even though it was terrible being a slave owner, not as terrible of owners as, you know, the, as others who were probably more sadistic and cruel and stuff like that. But you can say that about parents. You can say that around anybody. Well, you know, you, know, you can say thing, that about the church. You yes. can say that about anybody. Yes. So, and I yeah. think that, you know, the thing is, too, is I was reading something a couple of years ago. And again, me going into my little, you know, going into my little rabbit hole and, um, Sometimes I look at houses and I get energy and I just need to know right now everything I can know about that house and <laughs> who live there and all the things. Yeah. Um, which, again, if you start looking, there's some really crazy, cool, awesome information out there. Um, and part of being a medium for me is honoring those souls, honoring people who don't have a voice, who didn't have a voice. Like people are like, just burn it all down. I'm like, why? There's some really gorgeous craftsmanship there. There's some really right. gorgeous things there that – Someone did by hand. Yeah. And that was yeah. their craft and that was their gift from God. Right. And they perfected it. Yeah. And I, the reality of, you know, that's just a thing where it's like, why don't we need to honor them? Yeah. Say their name once we if, we, we, if we can figure it out and know it, say their names and be in the space of, you know, and it's, I was listening to this gentleman and I was, it was like a, and I was never able to find the full podcast, but there's a house in Virginia. Uh, there's several here in North Carolina as well that are the same way. But this one particular house in Virginia where these two black women went to buy the house because they remembered it as children. And that they grew up in this house till like age of 10 or something. Right. And long story short, they ended up doing the genealogy of both the white side of the family and the enslaved side of the family. And then the sharecropper side of the family when slavery ended mm -hmm. and the whole thing. And they, you know, this whole thing was very fascinating to read it from the perspective of a great, 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 great granddaughter yeah. of an enslaved person. Yeah. So it was a very fascinating perspective, like all the genealogy that they did and all the yeah. things. And, you know, but but they were talking about how the person who built that house and the person who owned it understood fundamentally that slavery was wrong. Mm -hmm. And simultaneously had to survive in that system. Mm -hmm. But they said they have records indicating that rather where you would normally find, if you look for enslaved records, a lot of times you will find what somebody was bought for. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. 
this particular plantation has records of what the owners gave the gave their enslaved persons. Mm. So in other words, when the people were getting money for things, when they were going and like selling the crop at market or whatever, they were holding trust money mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah. for their enslaved people. Gotcha. So when they got to a point where they were out of bondage when slavery ended, it was something like 50 or 60 enslaved persons mm-hmm. that were like, you're free to go. You know, we're happy to offer you a sharecroppers in your own land and da da da. And they had basically a savings account that they had wow. no idea, which was a super rare thing from Absolutely. what I'm yeah. researching. But it was like back in like the 1860s, having a, a savings account with like $100 or $200 in it was like, woo! Big time. Yeah. 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 And so. And again, if you're listening to this, I am not justifying slavery on any yeah. level. Right, it yeah. is a terrible, horrible institution that should not have been a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, we cannot judge something that is from 150, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, and in fact still exists today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some parts of the world. Oh, yeah. By 2023 standards. Right. Yeah. Because it just doesn't work. No, I, I was just I was just telling Adam, I went to Savannah, Georgia. Uh, my wife has a she's fascinated with Savannah. So we went down there last week and um, it's such a cool place. And what it did for me is like reminded me of just how complicated and weird our country is because it it's founded upon all of this right mm-hmm. it's founded on all of these people all of these divisive ideas but also these transcendent ideas that are held together in our constitution and our declaration right it's the pursuit of these things that we hold as the human like like um uh, the humans at its finest, right? That's what we yes. want to be. Although the world that we live in, we're not able to transcend through those, those treacherous waters sometimes. But what it leads to is a fascinating country that is so steeped in culture. So many people have embraced so many different ideas in this country that thought process um, is is so unique to America and our forward thinking because it's steeped in all of this like heavy stuff, man. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I, I am a big, big fan of people being realistic with where we at our where where we are at in our times and i like to do these thought experiments and have these conversations like we're having because it forces me to to get outside of my you know 21st century understanding of the world and yes. go back to a time when people didn't have as much say 
and mm-hmm. people, people, all they wanted was religious freedom or the freedom to think and do as they wished and to be a mm-hmm. free person. And that came at a massive cost. But mm-hmm. what we get out of it, I think at the same time are these amazing artworks, music, uh, style, um, mojo, uh, spirituality, all these things that we can dip into together as a culture, what makes us unique and what makes us one, you know, um, my kids have grown up in a time period where color and race is like way better than the, these, these negative ideas that we had when we were kids, it was much, 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 much different time, uh, analog days. Um, but our kids now have, because of technology, which I hate so much, but at the same time, it does give you the ability to live in someone else's shoe for a second. Yes. And, And say, I relate to some guy I don't even know in India that is trying to raise a family or trying to do the right thing. And Mm -hmm. that is where that's where our consciousness should be uh, trying to achieve, you know, like solidarity, solidarity and not, you know, separation. You know, I think we're also more prone to asking questions now Mm -hmm. and challenging than we were, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, where it was like, this is just whatever it is. And it's like, whoa, well, how come, well, you know, why do I have to, why do you feel that way? And I'm more prone to asking people like what, like I did that was doing that yesterday and it just completely random thing. And I'll come back to the, finish the story for you, um, on St. John. But it was like, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday and I was posting on, um, the book <laughs> that we all love so much. Um, <laughs> and one of the major league baseball teams had clinched their division. And so they were showing pictures of them celebrating and people were about it. And I'm like, listen, everybody, we've been celebrating, clinching the division, getting into the postseason for like a hundred years. Right. <laughs> you know, we're wasting champagne and right. wasting beer and getting stupid drunk and whatever. For a hundred years. Yeah, it's right. like when you get invited to, when you find out, um, you know, that you're getting invited to, you know, dance at March Madness, you celebrate. Right. It's a big, and I'm like, yeah, of course. and I said, and so I said, well, what has got you upset? If you're pissed off at your team because your team is not playing baseball in October, that's an ownership conversation you can have via IG. You can go on yeah. Instagram, <laughs> right. tag your owners, and yeah. I promised you. Their social media manager yeah. takes those comments to ownership. I promise yeah, you. Yeah, of course. So instead of being yep. pissed off at the Phillies because they're going to the postseason and your team's not, <laughs> I'm like, that's not on. Yeah. yeah. That's not on the Phillies. That's on your team for doing something. Like, my right. team is not in the postseason. I'm not angry with any other team that's going. Right. Yeah. Because my team, my ownership made huge really obvious mistakes before the season even started. Right. Right. But so such is life. Yeah. Yes. And it's like you said, but can we have the conversation to say, why are you upset? Yeah. What brought you to the space of feeling this way? What, you know, why, how, how did you get to this place of your opinion? You know, because you never know 
what someone's thing is and why they're we all have our quirks. We all have our weird. Yeah. That brings us to the space of why we feel a certain way, why our opinion is a certain way. And unless we're able to we're willing to say because we're all able to do it, but we're willing to slow our roll a bit and go. So you like this. You think that. I'm curious as to why. Right. right? right. Like mm-hmm. What brought you here? So let me bring you back to I'm on St. John. And this woman is taking me from person to person. And I'm asking them, like, do you want to stay here? Or do you want me to clear you? Do you want me to move you to another to, to wherever you need to go? Not mm-hmm. here. And there was probably seven or eight people. That and I was in a whole different channeling headspace, which is a whole different thing. I wasn't like yeah. deliberately going, I'm going to move from human to chant. No, right. I just was like, she was grabbing my arm and taking me along. And I was like, okay, great. But I did realize that when I'm in that space, I'm not hearing anything. Like I'm literally straddling dimensions because right. I didn't hear my stepdad yelling for me. <laughs> and then. <laughs> So I'm, you know, doing the thing. And so she was the last one. I said, do you want me to clear you? And she was like, and I mean, I, she was like tears running down her face. Like, give me a hug. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for coming here and setting us free. And I'm getting chills just talking about it. Wow. Um, and you know, like you're welcome. And she's like, you know, will you clear me? And so I sent her on her merry way. And at that point, that's when it was like, I was back to reality and I could hear my name being yelled. And I'm like, what, what, where have you been? Why weren't you answering me? Oh my God. And I'm like, I was, where was I going to go? Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, I was, I'm like, I was just, you know, at the time I didn't share, like, I don't remember what I said at the time, but it was like, what a cool experience. Yeah. 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 To be in the space of, and I've cleared, and I, another one is that I, um, go to a crystal shop in Raleigh frequently. And um, I was in there one day and and I was like, I don't know why I'm here. And that's really normal for me to be in a space sometimes of like I go places and I, I have no idea why I'm here. Yeah. I was like, okay. This woman walks in and she said, she's looking and whatever. And I said, can, can we help you find something? And she said, I need to clear a house. And mm. someone told me that I could use selenite. I said, yeah, you can anchor a house with selenite. So I was telling her what, and I said, um, if I may, and I explained who I was and what I do. And she said, yeah. And I said, um, do you live or have you visited an old, like really old, like civil war era house, antebellum house? And she says, um, yes. She says, as a matter of fact, that's the house I want to, that I want to clear. It's okay. And the area of like northern North Carolina, bordering on Virginia, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of a lot of house, civilian houses that were used as Civil War hospitals. Yep. Okay. Wow. And so, she said, "Yeah, my brother passed away, and he um, had this house, and so I'm trying to do what I need to do before we, you know, we're we're not sure what we're if we're putting on the market yet or." If we're going to keep it, whatever. But someone told me that I should clear it and protect it with mm. selenite. So that's what I want to do. I said, okay, cool. And I said, um, if I may, I said, you have a lot of really heavy energy attached to you. May I clear it for you? I mean, and you always say, and again, we always have free will to say, no, I'm good. I, I like having this person in my house or that thing going on or whatever. Cool. Right. Yep. Right. So... 
So I start doing what I'm doing, and uh, we cleared somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 Civil War dead. Whoa. Soldiers that were that attached to her because they'd been in the house. And again, wow. if you're one of those people that's like, oh my God, here's the thing. Everything is energy. That's physics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're in a space, you can definitely, you're, ma- you're an energy magnet. So she had picked up this energy and, you know, never, mo- again, most people, when I t- ask people if they've cleared themselves, they look at me if I have three heads and I'm like, okay, I can, that's a whole separate thing that I can totally explain to you. But I said to her, I'm like, so, and uh, as I'm doing this, she's got her eyes closed and she's facing away from people. She's facing me and I'm facing out. And, um, I've got my hand on her shoulder and she is like tears streaming down her face. And, you know, people are trying to grab paper towel and, you know, whatever, you know, help her out. And, uh, I'm clearing and clearing and clearing and clearing and clearing and clearing and I clear the last one. And I'm like, and like we have, there was one or two that were not going. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, you need to, you like, you can, if you have something you need to say, because otherwise we're done. And when, I will always ask people like that, that are, we're clearing, like that I'm getting to go bye bye. Um, do you have something you need to say? Do you have something you want to say? Like I will give someone the opportunity, their energies, the opportunity to leave up voluntarily. Uh-huh. And if they don't know how to do that, which some don't, some are like, but I'm so used to living in this person or this house or this, you know, crystal or whatever. I don't know where I'm going. I'm like, okay, I will get you there. I got, I'm, I'm the bridge. Yeah. And I got directions. So you're good. And, um, you know, again, always in the intention of love, always mm-hmm. in the intention of unconditional love and like sending you to the light. Goodbye. And she was like, and oh. how do you feel? And she was like so much lighter. And, you know, I said, you know, she said, I think you just like, you just saved my life. Wow. And wow. I said, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I was like, okay, you know, and so she's, I, you know, so she gave me a hug and whatever, and she got the sound. I told her what to do and like how to work with all that. And so she left, she's like, you know, we came in here trying to waste some time, you know, at the farm at the flea market. And I met you and she's like, you just totally changed my life. And she's like, we know, she goes, I feel like we have a direction what to do with the house. And she didn't really share details with me or whatever, what house it was or whatnot. But, um, I was like, okay, wow, it's really cool. And so when she left, the owner of the shop said, so what did you do? And I said, I have a really good sense if somebody has something that does not belong to them. Mm, yeah. And a lot of times when so, when an energy is trying to hitch a ride, it's trying to, it's like if you're in a room and there's no, you can't find the light switch. So you're doing this against the wall and you just keep going to the left, to the left, to the left. Eventually there's going to be a light switch probably at your hand level. Right, right, right. Either a light switch or a doorknob. Yeah. There's yep. going to be some kind of way out of the room. Yep. If you just keep padding or, you know, one way or the other, choose your way until you hit a light switch or a doorknob. Right. And I said, so I get to be the doorknob and the light switch. That's great. And so, you know, it's the thing where, and again, part of why I like to talk about it as, you know, is because I feel like a lot of people coming into their gifts if they, especially if they've been heavy in religion, or especially if they've been heavy, in, especially in an orthodox religion, mm-hmm. um, or an ideology, 
or they have been some sort of like cult where it's like, you will believe this way. Anything that's not explicitly biblical is going to hell. Yeah. And yeah. then they're nat- we naturally all have intuition. Yep. Sometimes we call it the gut instinct. Like I had this gut feeling that I should go a different way. Mm-hmm. Or I got chills when I put on my blinker to go right. I got chills, so I went to the left. Or mm-hmm. I, you know, did this whole, like, I don't know how this happened, but I did this. I got this notion at the last minute to do the thing, and it saved my life. That is intuition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so instead of, instead of being in the space of, like, where so much religion is like, you can only get this information from the priest or the rabbi or the whatever. No, we're all that powerful. Right. And I'm not telling, I'm not here to tell someone because like my parents are still very Catholic. I'm not Mm -hmm. here to crap on any of that, but I am here to say that, you know, you're not weird. It's just, you have your own thing Mm -hmm. and your intuition, just because people, and a lot of times, people, again, a lot of times people don't talk about it because they don't know what to do. Yep. Once they've said it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like being like, like talking about, there's so many subjects out there that are taboo, and they're really not if you have a con, like I was having a conversation with one of my friends a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about something, and I said, she was eating this really weird food combo and I laughed at her and I said, I wasn't you know, laughing at her, but I was saying, if I didn't know better and I didn't know how old you were and I didn't know that there's things that are not going on in your marriage, <laughs> I would think that you were pregnant. And so she and I ended up having this funny conversation about all of that, which she ended up saying to me, you know, you're one of the few people I, like, I can't talk with anybody else about this because we don't talk about it in my church. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so a lot of times I end up giving people the freedom to have those conversations and to be like, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, I know a lot of things about people that it's like, because I feel they feel like they're the only one that they can, I'm the only one they can tell. Like it's on the lockbox, yeah. right? That it's, yeah. Yeah. Right. And again, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't share names or whatever, but I think that getting into a space of relevancy. Yeah. To say to someone, you think you're weird, and then you hear this podcast, and you hear someone talking about intuition and mediumship, like it's the and death, like it's the most normal thing in the world. Yeah, because it ought to be. Right. <laughs> I mean, to get us to a space where it's like, and I was, I was at a, I was at a women's conference today, and I, the person was like, was asking us, you know, he was going through this whole exercise, or whatever, and he said, you know. And said, people want to share. And so I raised my hand. And he said, you know, go ahead. And I said, is my intention, part of my vision in my lifetime, is that third-party intervention, coaching, counseling, therapy, going to a counselor, psychiatrist, whatever, is as normal as an oil change. Mm. Yeah. Because mm. learning to feel our feelings, not like we, and I mean, when I say feel our feelings, I don't mean we need to be sobbing like you're, you know, allergic to goldenrod right now. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that being able to say, I'm experiencing anger and moving right through it. Yeah. Yes. Like you're walking through a river, like a, you know, shallow river onto the next bank without making it like, oh my God, rage. Oh my God, anger. Oh my God, grief. How much better does our world get if we can't be controlled? 
Yeah, right. Right. If your anger is no longer a joystick, that a political party, another person, your spouse, your religion, whatever, can use against you to control you. Yeah. Yep. How much different is your life? Yeah. If you're in a yeah. space like, yeah, I feel angry at you, with you, because you lied to me. Mm-hmm. I feel angry because I, at myself because I realized that I let you control me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's Absolutely. not cool. Yep. Yep. Control, so being, control yourself and you can control your environment and you can exactly. control the people in your environment. Absolutely. And it's, it's also freeing. You know, yes. And that's part of the thing, too, is that, you know, that's one of the things, too, that I love about being a medium is that a lot of times I could share messages with people that, again, free you of guilt mm-hmm. or shame right. or that feeling of like the regret of like, should I have done more? Could they have if I had done this, this and this, you know, um, people that I know busted their tails, you know, to be in a space of, you know, and since Adam, since, you know, Josh, um, you know, you, we, they were very public with their story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I kept getting a notion of was, you know, as we knew where we were going um, and we were running out of options in that department, not to go into their story because it's their story. And I don't really want to, you know, even though it's they're very public about it. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Josh has been on here. Yeah. And I mean, and I don't think and I'll say it because um but Josh, uh, with his, if you go back probably to our first year, uh, his uh, V-Man, his son, uh, uh, that uh, who was had a lot of complications at birth and, and unfortunately passed away um, very young. I can't remember if he was quite a year, but um, it was a oh, very no, he, hard. He was, he was, I think, 23 months old. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was just short of, Celeste yeah, right. forever 23 months old. That's and it. But it's, you know, that notion of like, did we do enough? Right. You know, did we, did we do? And I think that's one of the biggest things that people, when they come to me as a medium is, did I do enough? Right. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else that I could have done? And I've never had the answer be yes, there's something else you could have done. Not even once. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had people say, oh, you're saying that to me because, you know, you want me to feel that. I'm like, no. I have full confidence that if somebody had, I just know how I work with dead people enough to know that their personalities will come through. And if they wanted you to do one more thing, they'd have freaking told you. Right. They will come through loud and clear and be like, you should have blah, blah, blah. The most common thing I hear from people when they communicate with their deceased loved ones is go live your life. Yeah. The way you yep. honor me is to go live your life to your fullest. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to grieve. It doesn't mean you're not ever going to be on your knees, sobbing your eyes out, freaking out, like in unbearable grief. No. But the juxtaposition of we can hold the two at the same time. We can hold joy mm-hmm. and grief in the same space. Right. The way you honor someone is by what you said, living your life and keeping Mm -hmm. their memory alive through the stories and through, you know, the way that that person has has infected your life in a positive way and giving that to the world. That's how Mm -hmm. and that's difficult to say to somebody that's just experienced one of the most shitty things that could ever happen to a human being, you know, like. 
people are put in really, really shitty situations. And I remember Josh's um, episode, I got very choked up uh, Mm -hmm. during that situation because I'm a father and I don't know what I would have done in, you know, sometimes God or whatever you want to call it gives people way more than any human person could, should, should be able to bear. Like it Mm -hmm. should not be allowed that we feel that deep of emotions. Um, Mm -hmm. recently my parents have had something that happened, um, to one of their best friends that is just unspeakable. I can't even, uh, wrap my brain around it. And my dad told me, he said, I can't even console my friend because there's nothing that I can say. It -hmm. all sounds cheap. You know, Mm -hmm. it, 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 at a certain point you just got to say, I just love you and there's nothing I can do. And I'm sorry. You know, well, you know, that is a beautiful that, that that I love that you just said that, because one of the things that I do as a trauma and grief coach is to, you know, trauma and doing trauma and emotion work is that sometimes the very best thing we can do is just shut up and love people. Right. Yep. It's just to really be instead of trying to again, like you just said, instead of throwing cheap words at things like it's going to be OK, they're in a better place. Just no, no, no. Yeah. Stop talking. Just be in a space with them so that they're not by themselves. Right. Adam, who was it? Who was it that we had on? And I can't remember, but it. I remember specifically, so we had this type of a discussion with them, and they said, "Do you you know what you want to do to for someone that you can't do anything for, that's going through something that you can't imagine? Do their laundry. Yeah, cook them a yes. meal. Yeah, uh, that is one thing. In in, in and I I will see, you know speak for Adam on this because I know that uh, we shared uh, much of the same in our lives." the community of people that we were brought up into had that at the core of their being. And and to, Mm -hmm. to, as I get older to watch my parents and how they've helped other people going through such difficult things in their lives, Mm -hmm. it's courageous. And it's like, I don't even know that I could, I don't even know where to begin to be able to, um, be so, um, um, handle it with care, handle these situations that are really mm-hmm. difficult with a mm-hmm. sensitivity and a, um, a beauty almost like it's, 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 a, you know, like anytime there was a funeral that I, I've gone to that my father was ever involved in, it was a celebration of their life, you know, like that taught me at a young age, really like, don't get, you know, remember the good times, you know, and like, mm-hmm. You know, try to try, try your best to, um, to keep that at the forefront of, of your mind. And, um, I think everyone can relate to that, you know, that, that transcends any sort of spiritual religious situation, Mm -hmm. you know, helps us connect as humans, you know? Yeah. And I think the thing too, is that as we get into the space of, you know, I've watched, you know, my parents have, you know, as they get up in age and they start to lose people. And, you know, I think that their generation was not particularly comfortable with what I will call society calls. I call it fear-based emotions, 
but neg- right. you know, a lot yeah. of people like to say negative emotions. Mm-hmm. So we're not really good well versed at feeling grief, at sitting with and right. holding space for grief, sadness, whatever, because we start to realize I have a lifetime of crap I was taught never to feel. Yeah. So now what the hell do I do when I'm sitting with you and I'm like teary eye or when I'm in a space right. of, you know, and I've, and I've had to say, yeah. you know, a couple times, you know, hey, here's the thing. You have no idea what it's like to lose a spouse. And thank freaking God for that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I am not looking forward to the day when one of you knows that because then I've lost somebody. And not only am I dealing with the loss of a parent, but I have to negotiate you through the loss of a spouse, which I'm totally not looking forward to. But again, when you're able to be in the space of, you know, it's like, what would you do? And And I've, you know, I've had to pull back and say, listen, you're putting your constraints you're like, oh, my God, this makes me super uncomfortable and I know what to say or do. So can we just be like done with it after like six months? And I'm like, listen, that person was married for 40 X number of years, whatever. And I'm like, that was the love of their life. They are never going to get over that loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hear that freaking loud and clear. And understand that you're trying to be like, this makes me really uncomfortable Acknowledge that for yourself. Yeah. Go home and feel whatever you need to feel. Say it to me so I can say, okay, go back to that person, make them dinner, go clean their house, order them house cleaning, call your lawn guy and have him come over and mow their lawn, take their trash out, do a meal train, whatever you can do to take weight off their plate and their shoulders. Yeah. Pray for them if that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, shut up. Yeah, right. Because yeah. so many of us want to fill that void rather than just being like, wow, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to lose your. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to be in the space of let me just love you and hug you. And yeah. I mean, I've done that where I've just been like, let me just hug you. And the person's just melted into tears in my arms. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no. You keep holding me until you're done. Yeah. So if we're yeah. here for 20 minutes, if we're here for an hour, I got you. Yeah. And yeah. so many of us don't know how we're so uncomfortable with our own emotions mm-hmm. that we can't stand in for the space of this person needs you to just witness them. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. and the thing and, and the whole notion too of saying their name, talking about them, you know. Let's have, you know, talk about the things that you loved. Mm -hmm. Talk about, I have never heard a person who's lost a person. Actually, that's not true. I know one. Everybody else that I know who's lost a person loves hearing stories about their loved one. Loves hearing that person named. Loves seeing pictures of that person. Loves hearing how that person affected other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because keeping that memory alive is quintessential. Yes. But that's also how you know someone is not in their proper in their in not I don't want to say improper, but they're not in a healthy grieving space is if they're like, Don't talk about my person, da 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 because yeah. you know, it's like, okay, eventually that's and here's the thing I wanna say if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh God, she just talked about me. It is gonna you in the face one day. I don't know where 
I promise you it is going to smack you in the face one day like a paintball ball out of nowhere. And you're going to be like, yeah, and be like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then you're in a space where you're like, you have no choice because you are going to be on your knees and you are going to be a sobbing ball of mess. Yep. And you are going to be freaking incoherent. Yep. And I actually know someone that happened to you that she was fighting it, fighting it, fighting it for like three years. And I don't even remember anymore. Like I could go back and read my journal, but she was fighting it for like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And something totally ordinary that I even, I could, I'm not judging it, but looking back at it and going, it's really interesting that that's what the straw was. Right. But she was in a space, in a public space, where she was, like, on the floor in a puddle of sobbing, incoherent tears to the point where they had to call 911. Right. Yeah. And even 911 was, like, the paramedics get there, and they're, like, trying to unravel this and be, like, are you you okay? Like, someone grabbing her hand and saying, squeeze our hand if you are okay physically. You know, and she was, like, squeeze their hand. Like, okay, she's at least physically okay. Now we got to figure out, like, what is going on here? Yeah. And they finally, after like an hour and a half, got her in a space where, like, she basically ran out of that layer of tears and grief to say, I never grieved this thing. This thing triggered it, like something completely ordinary, triggered it, and I just, like, years of stuff just... Yeah. The dam broke. Yes. And if you're in a space where... You have not grieved. That will happen to you. Yep. At some point, and it will be, it will, and here's the thing, grief, death, coming into your gifts, three things that do not happen in the best possible time for you. Yeah. There's not a convenient time ever right. for those things to happen. And when they happen, it's like, I had someone say to me, what's your best advice? I'm like, let it freaking happen. Let shit fall apart. Yeah. Because that easiest way through it is through it. Yep. Because otherwise we're trying, we're spending a lot of time and energy. We are pissing people off. We are alienating people. We are adding shame and guilt and resentment and all kinds of other crap on top of the basic ball of grief and anger or whatever else you got going on. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you went from having something the size of a you know a grape to a watermelon. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you've got even it's like again, it is going to things are going to explode on everybody, and you're going to get everybody. You're going to like bleed all over everybody. Mm-hmm. You're going to vomit all over everybody like a way past drunk person at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's going to be a nasty freaking mess. Yep. Yep. Of epic proportions that eventually you're going to have to do a lot of mea culpa. Mm-hmm. When it would have been so much. And again, I, you know, it would have been so much easier to just be like, I'm feeling this and I don't know how to handle it. That being said, I want to say, because there's someone listening to this probably who's going to be like, oh shit, she got me. She called me out, whatever. Here's what I want to say to that. I'm completely aware and this is part of why i do podcasts and part of why i do what i do professionally yep is because i want to get people to the point one of my part of my vision 
for the rest of my life is to get people to a point where if we all learn to feel that and we all, because I know a lot of people just don't have any idea. Yep. Because if you're in a space where like, for example, you're, you lose a spouse, like a lot, we have, a, I don't want to say a lot, but we have people that lose a spouse mm-hmm. in their 30s, 40s, 50s, earlier in life than they ought to. Right. They have happily married parents who have no concept of losing a spouse. Yeah. So that not only do they not know how to support their children emotionally because they've never learned, they also stiff upper lip it because that's what society has told them how to do. Mm-hmm. Culturally, that's what we do. We just put our shoulders back and our boobies out and our you know chin up and we just keep going. Yeah, yeah. We just shove all that grief under the rug. We'll deal with it another day. But the other thing is, is that that parent who's been married for 30, 40, 50 years to the love of their life, their soulmate, their whatever, has no idea what it's like to lose a spouse. Yep. And therefore cannot say, you need to find a grief counselor. Right. You need to find a death doula. You need to find a death midwife. You need to find some kind of support that doesn't involve just praying real hard because that's Mm -hmm. not going to get it. This is a massive, tremendous, huge loss. And we don't have any idea how to support you. Yeah. That doesn't. And I want if there's someone listening to this, that's like, oh, my God, that's my kid. That doesn't make you wrong or bad. Right. It just means you're ill-equipped and don't have the skill set. It's yeah. like, I don't know how to build a house. That doesn't make me a bad adult. It's just not my thing. Right. Yep. And I think a lot of times we shame ourselves or we guilt ourselves over not having the thing that we decide and our, our ego decides we should know that. Well, mm-hmm. how the hell would you if you've never lost a spouse? Yep. There's a lot of things in life that if I don't know how to deal with it. I can certainly resource you. Like I can be like, you know, I have no idea, but I can look it up. I can find, I'm sure that there's somebody in my vast network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There has to be somebody in my vast network who knows somebody who can help us out. Yep. And usually when I say, when I message, I'll message one or two friends and go, Hey, do you happen to somebody has a resource real fast? Right, right, yeah. Or know somebody who has a resource. Right. I usually am within five people, you know, five degree, you know, five degrees of separation, whatever, mm-hmm. of knowing somebody who knows somebody who goes, yeah, I got that, I got them. Give me their information. I got it. I got it. I got. Or I can refer you. Here's here's the person. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Can we? Okay. How can people get in touch with you? Where 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 would where would one that wants to seek this uh, out? How do they get in touch with you? My website is jillymaria.com, J-I-L-L-I-E-M-A-R-I-A.com. Okay. So they can go on there. There's three or four different places where they can contact me. Um, if they want to email me directly, it's jillymaria at jillymaria.com. Okay. Um, I'm planning on, I don't know when this is going to publish, so I'm planning on, uh, my intention is to be off of social media. Okay. Um, by December 31st of this year. Okay. Of 2023. So I'm referring everybody to my website because it's going to make it easier in the long run anyway, just to like have that little clearinghouse. Right. Yeah. right. Right. 
Have you ever considered doing a podcast? I am doing a podcast. I'm starting a podcast. Okay, let's talk go. about that. When When is that coming out? Do you have a... That is, I am pushing myself to have that start um, the first episode published by October 15th. Okay. okay. Good. Good. Um, because I, I'm doing it with, I'm doing, mine is just going to have a somewhat similar name to yours. Um, I call, I'm calling mine I Love You Weird. Nice. Great. Because it's in the emphasis around mental health. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like so many people feel like they're weird and they're ostracized by that notion. Mm-hmm. And I want, and I feel like there's so many things in the world that could be turn out differently if we just stopped ostracizing people. If we yeah. got to a place where people realized that this world's been around for twenty, you know, for two thousand twenty-three years after the death of Christ, there's eight billion people on this planet. Somebody has experienced the same thing you have. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Somebody right. is weird just like you. Yes. Yeah. So whatever whether you're weird is collecting crystal miniature cats or you know doing, you know, marathons every weekend, you're doing 52 marathons yep. or whatever it happens to be. Yep. You know, maybe you love the smell of old books or you have, you know, you are fascinated by spiders or you are whatever it is, whatever your weird happens to be. Um I am recruiting guests to be on episodes to just basically normalize that idea of like, whatever your weird is in life, I promise you you're not alone because there's so many people that I feel like, I feel like we have, we're in a mental health crisis in this country and, you know, specifically in the U S and I feel like we get to a point where people like somebody famous passes away and they're on the cover of people magazine and we talk about it and we do tributes on IG and we blah, 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 blah. And then the next day we're back to talking about politics or this yeah. thing or that yeah. thing. And we completely like, because it's not a sexy topic. Yep. And so getting people to a point where like, whatever you feel like ostracizes you or makes you weird. I want to be like, I love your weird. <laughs> That's great. That sounds great. Yeah. That's, and you'll be able to help people and you have so much knowledge. You have so much yes. stuff to, sh- to share. It's, it's a, yeah, you're a you. yeah. No, you're a, a, a resource of uh, of uh, epic perfor- proportions for sure. It's great. Thank you. Um, that's fantastic. I think that we uh, we covered a lot of ground, and I think that yes, we did. We definitely got into some great discussion. It was a, it was a, a really really great podcast. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I agree when, with you 100. percent Yeah, we, we we thank you for coming on. And uh, you know we we, uh, we have open door policy, so you know you're welcome to come back again in yep. the future. And uh, especially you know after you get uh, the podcast uh, up and running, uh, we'll definitely have you back on. Yep. And, you know, and just so we can promote that for you again. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Hey, you know what we need? What's that? We need a new ad for our merch store. Our merch store. I've had a few people reach out to me and ask me, just how do we get What's Your Weird Story merch? Huh. How do we get that What's Your Weird Story merch? What's dash your, spelled Y-E-R, dash weird, dash 
story.myspreadshop.com. That's what's dash your spelled Y E R dash weird dash story dot myspreadshop.com. That's correct. Get in touch with us. Go buy some merch. We got some cool stuff. Yeah, dude. And you know what? If any of our listeners out there has some really cool ideas or has some really cool what's your weird story type art that they want to see on a t-shirt, get a hold of us. Maybe it'll happen. Jill, thank you so much for joining us. Great stories. Just a life full of interesting, wild stories. And, you know, her stories about her when she was young and and, Mm -hmm. and having contact with the other side is really you know again I, i love those stories and it's i'm learning as we talk to more and more people with psychic abilities kind of what what that world is a little bit like yeah the little girl in the field uh that story is just it's well we we love the stories with little kid ghosts but we also get really creeped out by them yeah uh, yep. you know i mean this is old hat for jill so she doesn't really you know she doesn't have that same uh you know intuition or or the same rather feelings as, as we do because uh, this is just that's her normal yeah. life um, and, but the story that I really, really liked was how she uh, and found really wild was how when she was on uh, St. John yeah, uh, yeah. with her stepdad and they were and she was kind of like uh, astrally parallel lives or parallel, you know, existing in parallel two times at once. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and like. I don't even know how to explain, you know, yeah. what, it would, what you would call that, but just existing in now and then, like, you know, 200 years ago. It's wild. Um, That's wild. And, and freeing the souls of the enslaved people is just, yeah. That's dude. heavy. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And we had, you know, like a lot of really great, heavy conversations on this one. Jill's a great uh, great person to talk to and uh, a great guest, and we really enjoyed uh, having her on and um, you know that was a long one so uh, we're not going to try to keep you around here too much longer Weirds Bill we, we, we appreciate you listening and as always we love you and um, we want to hear your stories get a hold of us at uh, wywspod at gmail.com or through our social medias Facebook, Instagram and join us back here next week uh, with some more, um, with another amazing guest and, and more amazing stories. Uh, and you got anything else? Anything there before we No. Uh, yeah. Um, everybody, uh, you know, take care of one another. Are we? We won't see them uh, before Halloween. Is that right? Or am I? Am I wrong? I don't even know what today's date is. Uh, uh, I know we're getting there. Whatever, whatever. Depending on what day you celebrate Halloween, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we've, we've been known to do it a day before. But uh, we will catch you uh, on the spooky side. Oh, this comes out on Halloween. Okay, great. Yeah, it's perfect. Happy Halloween, everyone. So yeah, happy Halloween, everyone. Uh, we probably should have started off the uh, introduction. No, wait, wait, wait. No, that's next week. Oh, yeah, you're right. 
next week. So happy Monday, Halloween dude. next week, everyone. Mondays, dude. Yeah. Mondays. Yeah, I hear you. Yep, yep. All right. I'm with you, dude. <laughs> we love you, Weirdsville. And we hope you love us and all of our quirks and flaws. Uh, take care. We will see you next week for Halloween and more good stuff here on the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Until then, be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be safe. Be weird. The stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.